Hello and welcome to yet another episode of TV7's Time Observer. With me in the studio is uh, my co-host and dear friend, Amir Tzalfati from Behold Israel. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, uh, it's an exciting month uh, that uh, is up ahead, but we are looking at the times in retrospect. Mm -hmm. And the month of March was obviously very eventful. How about you open with prayer and then we immediately dive into today's topic? Father, we thank you so much that you have given us your Holy Spirit in order to understand the times and the seasons in which we live. And uh, right now we hope uh, and we pray that uh, you will enable us through what we know and through what we have before us uh, to deliver message of hope and encouragement to the saints around the world and to also equip them with information and knowledge. We thank you and we bless you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amir, one of the, the key goals of TV7 is to encourage people to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, therefore, so when uh, we broadcast either TV7 Israel News, Jerusalem Studio, and uh, all the, the various programs that we produce from here, it's aimed to equip the body of Christ with the tools necessary in order to pray for that peace, which uh, comes with a promise that whoever loves thee will be blessed with the Lord's uh, divine grace and and so much more uh, beyond that. But Jerusalem's stability at this stage is in jeopardy. Uh, The fact of the matter is there is no stability in Jerusalem, uh, not on the political level, not on the social level. It's torn on many levels of of, uh, society, which uh, projects also the, the... uh, reality in all of Israel. Uh, Israel is currently torn between various sectors, between uh, left and right, or the perception of left and right, uh, of uh, where things should head to in the future. Now, obviously, all of this culminated into uh, the 23rd of March, uh, just uh, several days ago, when uh, we, uh, you and I, and, and all of the House of Israel, went to the polling stations, at least if you're eligible above the age of 18, to vote for Jerusalem's future power uh, house or the, whoever is going to hold the power reins of Jerusalem. And after four attempts in less than two years, still no viable outcome to establish a coalition government which is necessary within a parliamentary system. Where does this stand? And specifically, uh, we will dive deeper into this as as we go uh, ahead, but what does the Bible tell us about the status of Jerusalem, if you will? Mm. Well, obviously, when you refer to Jerusalem, you refer to the nation of Israel, you refer to the, the, the country, the state of Israel, as it is the capital. Um, I, I believe that, and I even wrote that today, I, I believe that the instability of the political system that is headed right here in Jerusalem um, is so uh, something that is predicted and prophesied when it comes to the uh, atmosphere before the rise of the Antichrist. There is going to be chaos. There is going to be, people will be, desperate for leadership people will people will be tired exhausted and look after four rounds of elections and we still don't have any any real solution in the horizon and um, you can tell by even by the way the elections results this time 
that the nation is completely torn. That, uh, I mean, 13, maybe 14 political parties with, you know, sing- single digit numbers, uh, is seats, you know, you, that tells you that nobody is around a single person anymore. Uh, we've had a very bad year with the virus uh, and we're coming out of it, thankfully. But uh, the people are tired. And this is exactly the atmosphere that I believe is going to be not only here, but here is what we care about uh, at this point, um, for the rise of some very charismatic and uh, sensational world leader that will finally bring peace, stability, security, prosperity, and as bonus even allow the temple to be built in Jerusalem. Mm. So I'm not surprised to see the chaos and uh, the confusion, the exhaustion, and the the, the, the weariness of the people. Uh, so that's where I, I, this is how I see uh, the situation. You know, Jonathan, in, in, in the Bible, there's a lot of Bible prophecies on the return of the Jews to the land. And there's a lot of Bible prophecies about what's going to happen when Israel will be spiritually revived. Mm. But there's not much in between. Mm. And we are in that in between. We're back in the land, but we are before the spiritual revival that will only come when we see the Messiah come back to this. uh, Not we, but they. And the Bible says that unfortunately between the return to the land and the restoration spiritually, there is a big black hole known as the seven years tribulation. And the seven years tribulation are not all terrible when it comes to no leadership and all of that. It will start with deception. A world leader will emerge to introduce peace to Israel, stability, security, prosperity. And this is, I believe, where we are right now. We we are in that moment where we become so desperate. And when he will show up, we will gladly accept him as a nation, I'm talking about. Not yes. for, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'd like to actually raise uh, the first scripture for today, Luke 19, 41, 44. Mm-hmm. Um, if everyone at home could also join us to Luke chapter 19, verses 49 to 44, where it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, obviously, Jerusalem has been destroyed several times since. Yep. And uh, the walls that we see today of the old city, the majority of which were actually built by the Ottomans in the years 516 to 519. And uh, subsequent uh, to that, of course, there were various fortifications. But this is alarming to the stage that you look at it and you ask yourself, is this still relevant for today or is this something from the past, considering the fact that Jerusalem is still uh, a focal point of conflict? Yeah. 
not only on physical but also yeah, spiritual definitely i think the spiritual one is even beyond the spiritual one will eventually lead to the physical conflict i believe that jesus told the people of jerusalem you are so religious that you cannot even see god and his word because god in isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 he says that the prince of peace will come and Jesus says, if you only knew the things that have made f for peace, I mean, but you did not. And, and, and of course, Jesus is saying, you've missed your visitation. Messiah had to come for a short time to, to visit. Mm. He's not coming here to dwell forever. The first coming of the Messiah was to save us from our sins. The second coming will be to judge the world, as he said. And it's interesting because Jerusalem was so busy in its own religious system that it completely missed the picture of what God is going to do and is about to do. Mm -hmm. And it is this now fast forward today. Here we are. We're still a nation that is more into religion than into relationship. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what will the need, the change that is needed to happen in Israel for Jesus to come back. Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, something has to change in you. The Bible says, return to me and I will return to you. Lachzor b'tshuva, to return. Lashuv, tshuva, to you return and I will return to you. And so basically what he's saying is, you've got to stop the religious act and you have to establish a personal relationship with me. And it's only through the finished work of Christ 2,000 years ago. And this is why, unfortunately, and we talked about it a few minutes ago, there has to be a tribulation, but that tribulation will lead to Israel's salvation. You know, Hosea chapter 3 says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their offense and in their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Amen. And uh, I have hope. We all have hope. But until that happens, unfortunately, it's going to be a lot of pain and misery. And false hopes, false Messiah, false peace, false expectations that will shatter when they see that it's not the right one. But again, Jonathan, this is why it's so important that we take the time to explain because eventually the mystery of the Messiah is that salvation was extended to the whole world mm -hmm. and it's yeah. and it has been revealed through the the Bible says in in Romans chapter 16 at the very end it has been revealed through the scriptures of the prophets mm. <laughs> it says you will not understand the plan of God for the whole world and for Israel unless you go to the Bible. Mm -hmm. This is where it's being revealed. And uh, one of the things that uh, is quite intriguing to me, every time I speak with uh, uh, different people from uh, Muslim majority states or um, uh, here in the land with Israelis, everybody comprehends, and I'm talking about senior officials, intelligence officials, and, and people uh, of relevance for the job that we do here today, uh, they all say and they all acknowledge it is about Jerusalem. And Jerusalem has a, a significance beyond everything else 
of <clears throat> the point where God provided our father Abraham the promise. And that makes the connection between God and man mm-hmm. the valid point yeah. where uh, Yerushalayim, uh, the place where Yirat Adonai Shlemahi, the place where the the fear of the Lord is complete. And it provides a point of contention on the spiritual level of who is going to control that connection between God and man. And it's not uh, in the power of of people to be able to comprehend that the connection between God and man can only be made through the blood of the Lamb of God, Mm -hmm. and that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that... uh, you know, Jesus is not coming back to Salt Lake City. He's not coming back to New York City. He's coming back to Jerusalem. He's going to, the Bible says his feet will stand on Mount of Olives, which mm-hmm. stands east of the city. So uh, that, of course, causes the enemy to want to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everything that is of God, the enemy wants to mimic or to take it for himself. The Bible says in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 14, that Satan says to himself, Lucifer, this, he says to himself, I will exalt myself to be like the Most High. So everything God is, Satan wants to be. And since Jerusalem is such an important city where, and by the way, Jonathan, every time God promised something, the promise included not only the spiritual, but also the land. And when Moses when Moses says to the people of Israel in, in at the end of Deuteronomy, here I put, God says, here I put before you um, evil and good, death and life. And then he says, choose life. Mm-hmm. And the consequences of choosing life is so you can live in your land. Mm-hmm. When we choose death, we are taken away from our land. When we choose life, we are connected to the land. And so Jerusalem is the connection of the spiritual and the physical for us because that's the city where things took place 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, even 3,000 years ago with David, and it will also be the epicenter for the return of the Messiah, the millennial kingdom, and of course, even the new thing that he is going to make will be called the new Jerusalem. Amen. And before we move to the next topic, which is Syria, which uh, uh, on the 15th of March, Syria marked 10 years since the start of the uh, deadly civil war in that country, which actually caused the worst humanitarian crisis and displacement of uh, people since World War II. And uh, even though now I hear that uh, uh, the United Nations is trying to label Yemen as the next worst place. Um, Syria has just faced half a million deaths in the last 10 years out of 1.5 million throughout the entire Arab world as part of the Arab Spring. But before we do that, I'd like to read Psalm 122 in Hebrew, and if you could follow in English. Uh So uh, Psalm 122, which says, ירושלים הבנויה בעיר שחוברה לה יחדיו, ששם עלו שבטים, שבטי יה, עדות לישראל, להודות לשם אדוני, כי שמה ישבו כיסאות למשפט, כיסאות לבית דוד, שאלו שלום ירושלים, ישלו אהבייך, יהי שלום בחילך, שלווה בארמונותייך, למען אחי ורעי, אדברה נא שלום בך, 
למען בית אדוני אלוהינו, אבקש טוב לך. I was glad when they said to me, let us go out up to the, into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, for thrones are set there for judgment at the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you, Peace be within your walls, prosperity within, within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be with you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I find it always amazing at the last end where it says, Adabrana shalom bach. I will speak peace in, in you. Leman bet Adonai Eloheinu. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, avakesh tov lach, I will ask goodness for you. And that is something that, uh, you know, mostly we stop at, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May uh, those who love thee prosper, which the prosperity spoken here is yishalyu, which means the peace of God. Uh, the divine peace rather than prosperity of, of material goods necessarily but putting that aside let's let's move ahead to Syria over the uh, course of the past month the months of March uh, saw multiple aerial strikes uh, by unidentified aircraft uh, none of which uh, anyone claimed responsibility for except for one aerial strike by Israel and one aerial strike by the United States. Uh, the United States, of course, responded, uh, or at least it announced that it responded to uh, attacks by Hashti Shabi, uh, which uh, specifically out of Hashti Shabi was Sayyad uh, al-Haq uh, and Hezbollah, Kataib uh, Hezbollah, which fired rockets toward uh, the Irbil Air, For- uh, Air Force Base. It's actually a section of Irbil International Airport, which is used, uh, Section C, they call it, which is yeah. used for uh, the American U.S.-led coalition. Um, but specifically throughout those attacks, you know, the Americans claimed responsibility for one. Let me tell you something. There have been some more conducted by the Americans during that time, which the Iranians received quite clear signals about, and the Americans decided not to unveil because they were deterred. Um, Israel conducted several allegedly um, very specific ones for the sake of thwarting uh, logistic lines. And another actor is coming into the picture. We have Turkey. Turkey has utilized its drones to start uh, thwarting the logistics of the Iranian proxy militias operating in Syria, but also in Iraq. So it is something that uh, right now is out of their own strategic interests. Uh, there was an emergency meeting between the Turkish Foreign Minister uh, Mevlush Cavusoglu and Foreign Minister of Iran Hamad Javad Zarif on the nineteenth uh, of March, during which Meet Chief Meet is the Mossad of uh, Turkey um, Hakan Fidan. I, I always like his name because it's confident, but uh, Hakan Fidan is actually a Turkish name. Um, it is, uh, he was also present in that meeting. And according to the people I spoke with, 
who are familiar with the details of that meeting, they spoke specifically about the Turkish operation in Sinjal, in uh, Iraq, which the Iranians are very concerned about. They're looking at the situation in a, in a very problematic manner. Uh, they're signaling at the same time to the Americans that they're not interested in talking before the elections in Tehran uh, take place. Just one of those tactics. But uh, going into Syria, it's still a very big challenge. And it is a battleground for the latter days. Give us an understanding of how does all this actually uh, manifest uh, from a biblical perspective? Yeah. Well, Syria, as we know, ever since the Syrian uh, civil war began 10 years ago, evolved into the playground of several world powers. There's beyond the Euphrates is the Americans and the Kurds. You've got, of course, as you said, the Russians and the Turks and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps is almost everywhere right now. You've got terrorist organizations. You've got local Assad military forces that are some of them are pro-Russian, some are pro-Iranian. It's a mess. And throughout all of that, all that is needed is just a match to cause great explosion. And uh, look... Uh, the Bible says very explicitly in Isaiah chapter 17, 17 yep. that Damascus, which is the longest standing city in the world, Damascus is going to be a ruinous heat. It will cease from being a city, the Bible says. I'd like to read that specifically. If, if you can join us at home, we, we have about five and a half minutes left, so we will try yeah. and, and yeah. cram everything in. But... Uh, I'll read it in English, then you'll follow in Hebrew. Um, so we're starting with uh, the first verse at chapter 17. The burden against Damascus, behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap. The cities of Arul are forsaken. They will be for flocks which lie down, mm -hmm. and no one will make them afraid. The fortress also will cease from Ephraim, the kingdom of, from Damascus, and the remnant of Syria. They will be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. In that day, I shall come. Uh, it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob will wane, and the fatness of his flesh grow uh, grow lean. Intriguing, yeah. But something also that uh, grasps my my attention. Arul, of course, Arul is a city in Jordan. Mm -hmm. So, is there a connection here between Syria and Jordan? with regard to this specifically? Well, I, I believe that uh, Syria is going to be neutralized completely. It's going to, obviously, when a, the capital is completely gone, and uh, in that way, Isaiah 46 says, uh, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. The reason why I'm saying that is because many of the prophecies mm. have already taken place, but this specific one, you and I know Damascus has never been completely uh, destroyed. So it has to most fall. ancient standing, standing city, city exactly. in the world. Correct. And there, that is why we know it falls under that category of things that are yet to come. No, they have not yet happened. And so, but we can clearly see there's two things. Uh, Damascus will cease from being a city. In other words, it will not be an, an enemy of itself to Israel. And it's interesting because we know that Jordan eventually will be a refuge place for the Jewish people that are going to 
run away from the Antichrist. So it has to be very friendly and it mm. has to be very hospitable and and it has to understand their uh, calling. It's interesting, in, years ago I spoke in a prophecy conference in Germany and uh, there stood a Jordanian person. He stood up and he said, I have a message for you. I said, okay. I am for, from Jordan and we are preparing a place for you. And I'm like, what? Mm. He says, we are believers from Jordan. We know the calling of our country to prepare a place for the fleeing Jews from the whores of the Antichrist. We have already begun mm. that work. So I can see that uh, God will clean that area from being an enemy to being a place that either not attack us or actually take us in when the time will come. Damascus will come to an end, unfortunately, but it's not because it's not because of anything but the, look what's going on there. I mean, let's face it. When I saw the, the explosion in Beirut, if you remember, mm. I realized we don't have to bomb anything to cause the city to stop from existing. All you need is... A, it says me'i... Me'i mapala. Exactly. Me'i mapala. Exactly. Me'i mapala is actually yeah. your intestines being it's torn out and... Falling out. Falling yeah. out. So it's, it's, it's very a gruesome ugly. picture. Exactly. Which means it's from the inside. It could be it, it could be an explosion from the inside. It doesn't have to be an attack from the outside. Uh, look what happened in Beirut. I mean, mm. explosion that, you know, a third of the city stopped from functioning. My point is this. Uh, we don't know who is going to do it, but we know it's going to happen. And we know that it's going to probably ignite the whole area for the sake of the Ezekiel war. Because right now, who are the major players if it's not Turkey, Russia, and Iran within Syria? And the minutes, and, and, and you know, Russia wants stuff from Syria. Turkey has its own thing. Iran wants to ha- control it as well. And, and, and once you take it out, once it's gone, you just don't know. Definitely. There was uh, earlier this month also the meeting, of course, between Gabi Ashkenazi, <coughs> the Israeli foreign minister, and his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, in Moscow. It was quite an intriguing conversation. Uh, Gabi Ashkenazi alluded to the fact that there may be conversations already between the Assad regime and the Israeli government about uh, keeping the peace. But uh, specifically, and it's brokered by Russia. And it's brokered by Russia. The Russians are very keen on improving relations with Israel, also because of the Biden administration seeing uh, Jerusalem as the highway to Washington. But, uh, of course, Damascus, uh, in this context, uh, it's not a lucky city, okay? It's been bombarded uh, during the Arab revolt of uh, uh, 1926 when uh, we uh, had uh, Sultan Bashar al-Atrash uh, battle uh, the French mandate and the French forces and uh, driven them out. They l- left uh, Syria and Damascus after bombing Damascus and killing 10,000 Syrians. Uh, it faced plenty of woes. But uh, we will continue to discuss this and, and deliberate this uh, further in the next episode as we just ran out of time. Thank you so much, Amir, thank for you. joining me here in Jerusalem. And I'd like also to thank our viewers for partaking in today's episode of TV7's Times Observer. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.
For more of TV7's productions and editorials, we invite you to visit our website at www.tv7israelnews.com.